Welcome to It's the ADHD Friendly Podcast, where we talk all things well-being, personal development, and living our best damn ADHD lives at home and at work. My name is Karen McGill. I'm a certified ADHD life coach, and I'm here to help you do life better. Hey, everyone. Happy Friday. I hope that you had a fantastic week. My week was pretty good. It was a lot better than the week before. If you're on my mailing list, then you know that I was on the struggle bus last week. And I don't like to talk about moments where I'm on the struggle bus because I need a little perspective on things that I'm going through in the moment before I can actually talk about them. But last week, nothing major. I had come back from New Mexico and I was just out of routine and everything felt like it needed to be rebuilt in terms of the structure and routine I have in my life, which sounds like a small thing, but it's really not. And mostly all of my success comes from routine structure and just the rhythm I have in my life. So when I'm off kilter, it really takes me off kilter. Then add to that, I had a couple of just things happening in my personal life that threw me off even more. One was a personal relationship stress, if you will. And then the other one that happened earlier in the week. And then later in the week, I jumped on a call with the Austin Pug Rescue, which is the local rescue here that I volunteer to. And they're just like, they're tapped out in terms of the number of resources they have. And they want to keep taking in as many pugs as they can, but it gets really hard when they have over 100 pugs in their rescue right now. And typically they're got around 20 or 30. So it's just an overwhelming thing. And and my heart always wants to fix all the things. I, I know a lot of you are like this. Some of it's just a sensitivity. Some of it's just big heartedness. But when we see things or organizations or people that we care about struggling, we just want to run in and fix it. But I can't fix that problem. So all of those things just derailed me last week. And it was a really good reminder that sometimes when we are dysregulated, we don't know it. And it takes a minute. Like in my case, it took me until the weekend to decompress and realize that, well, this whole week I've been dysregulated because my nervous system has been off and there's some upsetting things happening that are beyond my control. And that is really hard for me because I can't get a lot done when I'm in that space, which is why I am so hardcore about my habits and routines, because they keep me moving forward all the time. And that's why I talk about them so much. So I share all of that just to say that life is always going to (laughs) kick us in the butt. And sometimes we don't know we're dysregulated, but the minute that you can catch on to the dysregulation, you can, instead of beating yourself up, give yourself a little self-compassion that, whoa, things are a little out of order or not making a lot of sense right now. So I need to take care of myself so that I can show up um, as my most regulated self. And when you are your most regulated self, that is when you are your best self. And when your ADHD symptoms are almost non-existent and your strengths and aptitude and intelligence are completely on the ball, which I feel a lot more aligned this week. So with all of that said, it's a good intro to this week's topic, which I love. And it's just so universal for a lot of ADHDers or a lot of people in general, that fear of failure, the fear of choosing a path and it not being the right one, that fear of saying no to everyone else. I had a new client I started with this week and I asked her for our next session to pick one thing that she really wants to focus on. And she looked at me like I was asking her to run over one of her children, like in the context of 
pick one thing. And she said to me, you don't mean one thing for the rest of my life, do you? I'm like, no, just one project. And it's so funny because in Distraction Action, I encourage participants to pick one thing to work on. And that's the one thing that everybody pushes back on. We are not good at picking one thing. And of course, speaking of picking up too many things, I've signed up for a new coaching certification. And this one is through the HeartMath uh, Institute. HeartMath is all about creating resonance between your heart and your brain. And that might sound a little squishy, but from a research perspective, they've done a lot of studies to prove that our hearts are actually where we make a lot of our decisions and our judgments. And it's also the center of our intuition. And physiologically, we know that the heart talks to the brain a lot more than the brain talks to the heart. And naturally, we would assume the opposite. We would think that the brain is running the show, but your heart actually has its own brain cells. It has its own memory and its own way of processing things. So for example, behavioral reactions start in the heart and go up to the brain. We're wired that way because if there was a tiger chasing you, your heart rate would actually increase before your brain ever got the information that the tiger was chasing you because your heart needs to pump enough blood to your extremities in order for them to run as you're starting to realize that something's chasing you. So that's like the, the very simplistic way of understanding this. But it's also true of anything that happens in our life and our interactions with other people our heart rate is reacted to things before our conscious mind is even aware of them. So with that said, when our hearts and brains are not coherent, meaning your brain is thinking one thing and your heart is going in a different direction and never the twain shall meet, that is when we are at our highest point of dysregulation. So when we can get our heart and our brain in coherence, then the information from the heart goes all the way up past the amygdala, because that's the lower part of the brain, into the prefrontal cortex where we have access to all those, you know, wonderful uh, executive functions. So that's when we are most regulated and also our highest point of optimal performance. So you will hear more about that in the future. In the meantime, let's get on to today's podcast. Today, I got a question from a reader that I wanted to address both because I think it's universally something that we all deal with. It's also something that I've dealt with a big portion of my life. And it is also a similar concern that I've been chatting back and forth with a friend of mine about. So I will read the young gal's question first, and then I'll tell you a little bit about the friend who recently reached out, and then I'll get into my response. So here's the question from the young gal. She writes, I just finished university and I'm currently starting to build my career. I would like to know how to start the process and not feel like I'm quote unquote failing along the way. I have always been passionate about many things and I'm scared to make the wrong decision. I also feel like I couldn't be happy in many jobs because I get overwhelmed and overstimulated very easily. So that was her question. And I won't read my friend's question because there's a lot more personal stuff in that. But the long and short of it is that she's taken a hiatus from her professional career, both to raise her children and also because in her professional career, she would cycle through burnout very quickly and she has not figured out how to regulate her energy, which can be quite intense when she gets into something, she really gets into it, but then she gets into it to a point where she completely fries herself and then has to leave that role. So now that her kids are getting older, she wants to re-enter the workforce, but she's struggling with a lot of the same things. She recently applied for a job at a nonprofit, but that didn't work out. And then her ideas of bouncing around between urban planning and becoming a child psychologist and all of these different ideas. And she ends her email by saying, 
I don't trust myself not to get distracted and follow another shiny object or interest. How do you choose? And I thought contrasting those two questions was a beautiful place to start here because to me, what it illustrates is that this is not a question that there is a neat and tidy answer to that you can resolve and put it in a box and go on and live your life happily ever after. This is something that is not just an ADHD thing, but we have our own unique take on it. It is something that all of us grapple with. And that's what I want to break down in today's podcast and hopefully provide some insights for you to think about. So let's approach this question using the framework that I've shared with you before around taking big ADHD problems and breaking them down uh, in three steps, self-awareness, lifestyle design, and energy management. And I'll get into each of the steps as we go through this. So in the spirit of self-awareness, I would invite you to think about that fear of failure. What is behind the fear of failure? And ask yourself, what does a life without failure actually look like? If you are so afraid to try anything because it's the wrong decision, or it could be the wrong decision, then you would never try anything. And a life where you were never trying anything at all is almost a failure to start, a failure to launch. You wouldn't really have a life. To live means to fail, and to fail means to learn. So moving on here, you go on to say that you have always been passionate about many things and you're scared to make the wrong decision. You also feel like you couldn't be happy in many jobs because you get overstimulated and overwhelmed easily. Okay, let's break this down. And for a minute, I'm going to put the multi-passionate piece aside and let's first address the fear of making the wrong decision. Now, what I'm hearing there is black and white thinking in the sense that there's the potential for you to make the right decision or the wrong decision when it comes to a job. And there really is no right or wrong. You may end up deciding on a job that's not a good fit for you, but that doesn't mean it's the wrong decision. It means you've learned something about what is right for you and what is not right for you. And the truth is, after many years of working myself, is that, yes, there are jobs that are going to be better for you and jobs that are going to be less of a fit for you, but you can't know those things until you've put yourself in those positions. At this point in your career, there's no right or wrong decision. There's no right or wrong decision at any point in your career. And the reality is that no job is 100% good or 100% bad. It just depends on the fit and the person because the job that might completely overwhelm and overstimulate you might be the perfect job for somebody else. And that's the next piece that I want to address because it is the probably the most important piece. So you're assuming that if you find the right job and you make the right decision, then that job will not overstimulate you or overwhelm you. And nothing could be further from the truth. Here's the thing about ADHD years. We are not great at self-regulation, emotional regulation. So any sort of stressor or trigger outside of us can trigger an emotional response that in the moment, we may not have the tools to regulate our emotions, which means that our nervous system immediately goes into fight or flight. Fight or flight might mean that we leave the room unannounced or we snap at somebody inappropriately. Or if we're overstimulated, it might mean that we disassociate in the moment and we go inward and we just completely freeze. In any of those situations, that is more about how you are responding than it is about the job itself. So in terms of fear of failure or making the wrong decision, I would be less concerned about making the perfect choice in terms of a job 
And I would be way more concerned with learning the tools and resources you need to emotionally regulate yourself so that when stresses happen in life, you can respond to them in the moment without getting overwhelmed or overstimulated. Because here's the truth, no matter what job you pick, even if you pick the absolute perfect job for yourself, there's going to be stressors. There's going to be people that rub you the wrong way. There's going to be things you don't know how to do yet and it's going to freak you out. There's going to be other things in your life where it's going to throw you off balance and you become dysregulated and you don't show up well in your job. So it's not about picking the right job. It's about looking internally and understanding what happens when you feel overwhelmed or overstimulated and what tools do you need to bring that back online. And in some cases, that's medication. In other cases, it's uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. In other cases, it's a coach. And in other cases, it's just a personal journey. Maybe it's spiritual, maybe it's self-help, where you start to build this self-awareness that, yes, there are things in your external environment that overwhelm you, but you can find ways of responding to it with more self-agency and more self-control. Because if you go into your career with this narrative that there's a right or wrong path and the wrong path is going to overstimulate you and overwhelm you and the right path is going to be easy breezy, lemon squeezy, you have completely missed the mark on growth and challenge and living life as an adult. You have got to learn to self-regulate. And that needs to be separate from whatever you choose to do as a career. In terms of self-awareness, some of that is going to land for you right now, and some of it is not. Some of it is not going to make sense to you, and some of it will make sense to you down the road when you are overstimulated or dysregulated and you think to yourself, oh, this is what she was talking about. But wherever what I've just said lands for you, take what is true for you today Let's move on to lifestyle design, which is really just taking whatever self-awareness you have in the moment and applying some small changes to your life or your circumstance to see if you can improve it. So in your case, where I would start is with getting crystal clear with what it is you want. Otherwise, ambiguity will always make you feel like you're failing at everything because you are aiming at absolutely everything and absolutely nothing all at the same time. So all you will ever do if you are in ambiguity is compare yourself to other people and their progress. You're young. You probably don't know what you want. I would look at your values, your needs, and your character strengths. And I know that you're on my mailing list, so perhaps you've already received these various different assessments that I share. If not, go back to my website under tools and resources, and you will find all of those things for free. But do a values assessment, do a needs assessment, and see what comes up in terms of what it is you want right now in your life and have a heart-to-heart conversation with yourself and just make a decision. Put a stake in the sand, put your foot on a path, any path. So do not sleep on this step. Define what you want, define what success looks like, and define what failure looks like. Otherwise, you will use failure as the catch-all phrase for everything and anything that doesn't feel amazing in your life or that isn't just a stroke of luck. And the danger here is assuming that success is anything that's magical and failure is everything else. That's why we fear failure, because if it doesn't feel amazing, 
then it's got to be a failure. And we're just making those assumptions. So be very clear about what success and failure looks like. Once you know what you want and what success is and what failure looks like, now you can address the overwhelm and overstimulation piece. Again, when we live with ambiguous, undefined goals, then it's really easy to get overstimulated and overwhelmed because our divergent thoughts have no boundaries. I'm not saying that you have to commit yourself to one thing for the rest of your life. No one does. But start where you are and pick a direction. Then take steps towards it. Expect that you will fail along the way, but also expect to be successful sometimes too. Now, the most important piece of all of this is to have a way to calibrate. This is the energy management piece, and it is critical to your success at any point in this framework. Weekly check-ins are so important. What did I learn this week? What are my wins this week? What are my failures this week? Energy check-ins. What drained my energy this week? What lit me up this week? That is what you need to do. That is how you make small and incremental decisions as you move forward in your career. That is how you live with intention. So bottom line, no matter how ADHD you are, you can absolutely make a decision and create the structure you need to calibrate that decision on a weekly basis. Make it fun, make it interesting, do it with an accountability buddy, do it with a friend, whatever, but make a choice, take action, calibrate weekly. Put it in your calendar, make sure you do it. I do mine every Friday and it has changed my life. Now, here's a few more thoughts, particularly around your concern about being a multi-potentialite, because that's something that is stifling you and it's also stifling my friend. One of the issues that we face today is that we have infinite choices, and that is a wonderful thing because it helps to level the playing field and democratize success to some degree. And to a large degree, Anyone with access to a computer and an internet connection can reinvent themselves as long as they have the time and the willingness to do. And I am living proof of this because that's exactly what I did. But the downside of all of this is that infinite possibility in and of itself is overwhelming. I recently came across a theory. It's called the Hick-Hyman Law, and it's named after the two psychologists that came up with the theory. It describes that the time it takes for a person to make a decision as a result of the possible choices. So the more choices you have, the longer it's gonna take you to make a decision. So naturally, if you have infinite choices, you could very well spend your entire life in choosing mode and always being concerned that you've picked the wrong thing. Now add to that the awareness that ADHDers are divergent thinkers. We also struggle with dysregulated attention. So this means that we're always thinking about a lot of things at once, and sometimes we don't have the ability to control it. So while some people have the natural inclination to laser focus on their interests in a specific direction, our focus is more like a disco ball (laughs) with bright, sparkly energy going all over the place. And that is your challenge here. It's also why we're so vulnerable to overstimulation and burnout because our energy is not laser focused. It's disco ball energy. So while we can't do anything to change the number of infinite choices and options we have. And of course, why would we want to do that? The work for us as ADHDers is to narrow down our own options. I love the book Essentialism because it gets to the heart of this issue of getting down to what's most important. One of the greatest skills that you can cultivate in this life is the skill of knowing what is for you and what is not for you. And then having the self-trust 
to say no, not just to the bad options, but also to the mediocre options and the really good options. Elizabeth Gilbert once shared an exchange she had with somebody who was struggling in their life to become a career writer. And Elizabeth asked her, what are you willing to give up in order to have the life you keep saying you want? The writer said to her, oh, you're right. I need to start saying no to the things that I don't want to do. And Elizabeth then dropped the real truth bomb. She said, no, it's much harder than that. You need to learn to start saying no to the things you do want with the recognition that you only have one life and you don't have the time and energy for everything else. And that's true for neurotypicals and it's true for us ADHDers. So here's something else that I've heard Elizabeth say that I think is relevant to the readers concerned about failure. She said that when she was a young writer and she chose that to be her path, she made a commitment to her creativity and she committed that she would always find a way to support it and not the other way around. So she worked in restaurants, she was a bartender, she had all kinds of side jobs to support her writing. And if I'm not mistaken, she wrote several books before Eat, Pray, Love ever came on the scene. And no doubt she encountered a ton of rejection and a ton of failures along the way. But we don't see any of that when we think about Elizabeth Gilbert. But imagine if she was afraid of failure or if she was worried she was making the wrong choice in life by being a coming a writer. She would never have become the amazing person that she is today. Hey, this is Karen from Tomorrow. I'm actually coming back into this podcast to record an experience I had this morning because it was pretty serendipitous to everything I'm talking about at this point in the podcast. So as we're talking about Elizabeth Gilbert and her experience and how would she have ever become the woman she is if she didn't get past her fears. I'm scrolling Instagram this morning, as one does, and sure enough, Elizabeth Gilbert shows up. And I forgot I was even following her because she rarely shows up on social media. And she did a live. It was 15 minutes long, and it was a celebration of the 20-year anniversary of the launch of Eat, Pray, Love. And she goes on to talk about her experience with how she felt in that moment of life when she was embarking on the journey that became Eat, Pray, Love. So she talked about the flight from the U.S. to Italy and how she was terrified of what lay ahead and the path that she was on the path that you would think that we would all think of as successful. She had a husband and a house and she was a journalist. She said, I couldn't do it anymore. There was something in me. There was a call in me that was so desperate to express itself that I, I had to leave it all behind and do this. And I will quote a few of her words specifically because they're just so beautiful for the point that I was trying to make here. She said, Earth School is still happening and huge transformations and changes continue to come and come over the years. And I have to show up for this journey again and again. And then she goes on to share an exercise that she did. And she talks about it in, I think it was like page 54 of Eat, Pray, Love, where she basically had a meltdown in Italy because she just didn't know what she was doing. Like She had no idea what was to come. And one of the practices that she cultivated to get through these really hard moments is to write a love letter to herself. So in this particular example, she said with a piece of paper and she just said, love, are you there? And then a few minutes later, love wrote back saying, yes, I'm here. What do you need? And it was in her handwriting because obviously she's writing to herself. And 
Love went on to write her letter about no matter what she does, no matter what choices she makes, no matter she's alive or dead, that she will always be loved by that source, whatever it was, writing that letter. And that gave her such a profound sense of peace that she has gone on to teach that exercise in a lot of her creativity workshops. And really, Elizabeth Gilbert's experience in Italy freaking out was her being dysregulated. And in order for her to regulate herself, she sat down and wrote a letter from love. And where does love come from as a source in our body, but from our hearts? So I may only be catching on to this science now, but Elizabeth Gilbert was aware of it 20 years ago. So if you really want to get in touch with who you truly are and what you truly want, write a letter to yourself as a love. What would love do? What would love want you to do? And think of love as the spirit within your soul, from the creator, from the universe, from God, wherever you believe that love comes from, right from that source to yourself. Because any words that come from the source of love have got to be really good ones worth listening to. So now let's get back to the podcast. I guess coming full circle, my encouragement to you is to try a lot of stuff in life and have a way of reviewing and reflecting and calibrating. Because if you miss that part, you're gonna glide by all of those really great signs that you're on the right path or off the right path. And I know that to be true because I didn't do this and it took me until I was 50 to get it. And in the meantime, find a way to provide for yourself. It doesn't have to be your dream job. None of mine were. At some point, it might become a dream job, but if it doesn't, that's not a problem and it's not a sign that you're failing in life. As long as you maintain the space and time in your life to do the things that truly light you up, they never have to be your career. So I'll leave you with one more thought. I often say that ADHDers need to find what lights them up and go after that. And personally, when I first heard that comment directed towards myself, I scoffed at it. It was frustrating and insulting to think that life could be that simple. Because we have to adult. I mean, we have to work jobs that pay the rent and pay our mortgage and pay the taxes, blah, blah, blah. But it turns out it can be that simple. But when we receive that idea through the lens of black and white thinking, it sounds unattainable because we only think about the things we have to do as adults. And while all of that is true, it's not the whole truth. Being an adult and doing what you have to do is important, but it is also intentional to find out what lights you up and be relentless about doing those things, even if it's just in the smallest corner of your busy day, because that's what's precious. That is your truest expression of you. Yes, you've got to pay your taxes and your bills, but you also got to follow your heart. And both can be true at the same time, and you can make time for both of them. So take some time to get to know yourself, what you truly want. Understand what success and failure is, and go in a direction. Whatever direction you pick, just calibrate on a weekly basis so that you're always checking in and you're always taking great information, feedback, good and bad, to understand what lights you up. Take separate action to learn how to self-regulate so that you can remain resilient to whatever shows up in life because it's going to punch you in the face time and time again. That's just the truth about life. And know that just because we have to have a job to pay the bills doesn't mean that is a marker of a good life or a bad life. Knowing what's most important to you and making time for it every single day, that is the mark of a good life. And that is the mark of self-care and true compassion. And the world needs more of that right there. So anyway, I hope some of this was helpful to some of you. Thank you again for writing in your questions because 
it's both cathartic for me to write these out and also tell them to myself. <laughs> Thanks again for listening, guys, and I will see you next Friday. Take care for now. Do you struggle with way too many ideas and no clear plan of getting any of them done? Is overwhelm paralyzing you from moving forward with your dreams and goals? Well, you're not alone, my friend. That was me too for the first 50 years of my life. But once I had my diagnosis and a concrete reason for my lack of follow through, I went ham on trying to find a way to manage it. And that is exactly what I did. Today, I am organized, I'm thoughtful about what I take on, and I am living my best ADHD life as a result. Now, I'm not saying it's perfect, but it is intentional, it's consistent, and I have a lot more peace because of it. And I want that for you too. Distraction to Action is my short, fun productivity bootcamp designed especially for the ADHD brain. It is loaded with ideas and tools based on the latest research on how our neurodivergent brains work, and it can help you unlock your own ADHD brain so that you can focus on what's most important and finally follow through on your juiciest goals. Find a link to the program in the show notes or go to itsadhdfriendly.com forward slash D2A. That's letter D, number two, letter A, which stands for Distraction Action. Head there now to get your focus on and become a follow-through ninja. Now back to the show. Thank you for listening. For links and resources for this podcast, please visit itsadhdfriendly.com or click the link in the show description. Please also be sure to subscribe so you get automatic updates when new shows are posted. And of course, please do leave us an ADHD-friendly review. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.